0: My name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Brandon Curry, Assistant General Manager of the Niagara Ice Dogs. Known as one of the younger executives in the OHL and the CHL overall, Brandon utilizes thinking and experience on both sides of the game to bring a well-rounded thought process to hockey operations. Having worked in multiple sports, the opportunity to learn is definitely present for listeners, and I'm happy to share Brandon's story with everyone today. With that, here is Brandon Curry, the Assistant General Manager for the Niagara Ace Today we're joined by Brandon Curry, Assistant General Manager with the Niagara Ice Dogs. Brandon, thanks for joining the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. And I'm ex- excited as well. And we've spoken, uh, it's probably been a little while here now, but um, you know, through our Brock days and, and being around the rinks, we've had some conversations, but it's nice to have a familiar face on and learn more about your story. So how about you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, including where you're from, and then touch on your involvement in youth sports growing up.
1: Yeah, so I was born and raised up in Collingwood, which is about, for most people, they may know Blue Mountain a little bit better, but it's a little bit northern Ontario. And when I was 18, I went down to Brock for sport management. So growing up, my passion was always sports. I remember back in elementary school, we had to do projects for future careers and what we wanted to do and dream jobs. And for me, it was always sport related. So me growing up I always wanted to work in sports and some involvement you know I played a lot of sports growing up I was a big soccer player I played that year round up until I was about 16 or 17 before a couple of concussions held me back and I had to stop playing sport at that point but yeah growing up sport was a big part of my life in a lot of ways in terms of being a big fan and trying to watch as much as I can and playing
0: as much as I can as well yeah no it's always interesting to hear those uh you know different sports growing up and it's unfortunate about the injury but uh, it's always good to hear that sports was a prominent part of your life and you're able to enjoy it um, you know throughout your youth so before we move into your career off the field I uh, just touch briefly on your time as a player and then speak to the hockey culture in your area there in, in Collingwood and a little bit north as you said.
1: Yeah so that's the one thing that probably surprises a lot of people about me is I never played hockey and you know, I outside of maybe Shinny once or twice a winter growing up I never played organized hockey and so that's one the one sport I wasn't able to do just with having a big family growing up it wasn't something that was financially feasible or feasible in terms of time allocation with a lot of kids it's tough getting a ride to those early morning practices so for me it just wasn't something I was able to do and that's why I went with soccer year-round but growing up I wish I played hockey but you know this is kind of the next best thing now is being involved in it so I can't speak too much to the culture of being a player just because I never was one but I know from my time being in the room in Niagara, you know culture is something that we take a lot of pride in. We're very strict on the type of players we draft, the type of players we want in our room, and we've been very fortunate. We have a very strong culture, a culture that is very inclusive and supports everybody. So we've been very proud of what we built in Niagara in that sense, but in terms of growing up in hockey, I can't really speak too much on
0: that. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting point in the fact that um, you know, you still worked in hockey, even though that really wasn't um, there from day one. But uh, Niagara does have a, a great community and culture, as you uh, touched on. So we'll get into that. But, uh, you know, continuing on your path, moving into school, you would attend Brock, as many others have who've come on the podcast. Uh, just talk about the program in general and then how it prepared you to work in hockey and sports moving forward.
1: Yeah yeah Brock was a fantastic program. I remember in high school going to the university affairs and researching programs I was always kind of looking in the business stream and trying to find a good business program and maybe one day streamline that into sport and then when I discovered Brock's program the sport management program it was the instant connection. You know, I loved everything about Brock I loved everything about the program and for me it was I knew in grade 11 that's what I wanted to do it's I bought my Brock sweater in grade 11 I knew it's was the path i wanted so for me it was a program that drew me in very quickly you know it certainly didn't help that cal got his promotion to toronto about a few months after i made my decision to go to brock so for me brock was a phenomenal three years i actually accelerated my program a little bit just because i had the role in niagara so i had to find ways to dedicate myself to niagara a little bit more so i had to kind of speed through school a bit quicker with summer courses but you know with brock it was a very supportive community you know everybody there had the same goal and a lot of people worked together and were very supportive of each other and you know, professors were fantastic as well. I built a lot of great relationships with my professors. You know, a lot of them I still speak to on a regular basis and whether it's phone calls or emails or going for dinners just to catch up, it's a very supportive community and one that you're able to learn a lot in. You know, the classes were all very instructive and detailed and really taught you ways to think outside of the box when it comes to not just sport, but
0: also business and life. I agree totally. Uh, My experience there was great. And ironically enough, I also looked to uh, speed up the process and did it in um, three years and and a little bit of an extra semester there. But uh, you know, they're very good at at working with people's schedules and helping them uh, when an opportunity does come up. Mine was with Sarnia and the Newfoundland Growlers at the time. But uh, like you said, the community is really good in in the way that the profs are um, adaptable and, and helping you with different things. And We've heard that about a lot of different programs um, in Ontario and other places that guests have came on. But it's great to hear about your positive experience and and how it helped you uh, moving into sports. So while hockey is the main focus of the podcast, uh, people are often interested in hearing uh, experience in other sports. Um, You know, just touch on your time with Toronto FC and then the experience of working in soccer at that level.
1: Yeah. So like I said, growing up soccer was a sport I played so I always had a big passion for soccer it's a sport I still follow very closely and watch and you know, it it's a nice little escape from hockey where I'm able to watch soccer as a fan whereas hockey it's always you're watching for work so it's a nice little adjustment there but you know for me with Toronto FC I actually came to be on alumni day back in 2017 at Brock uh, Chris felt, who at the time was Toronto FC's director of business operations was one of our guest speakers and after the class, I was fortunate to be able to sit down and have a coffee with him and speak to him for about 10 minutes. And that was a very good conversation. We saw eye on a lot of things and it was a fun chat. And at the end of it, I asked him if there's any way to get involved. I was just looking to kind of expand my horizons, get some new experience. At the time I was second year at university, so it's still very fresh into my university career. And he was able to pull some strings, get me in touch with the right people and got me involved in a game day position working with the business staff, working with Toronto FC2, with Toronto FC, helping a lot with sponsorship activation, you know, some ticket sales at the TFC2, doing all the game day stuff on game day. So for me it was just a really fun experience. It was a way to kind of branch myself out, get some business skills that in the in the real world from outside the classroom and was able to meet a lot of people, make some strong connections and a lot of people I still talk to to this day three years later and I was fortunate that that was the year Toronto FC went on their their run and they won the championship. So it was very cool to be a part of a championship team at 20. And, you know, it's something that, you know, you learn a lot from being around that winning culture. And Toronto FC has a fantastic culture from top to the bottom. And you know, a lot of things that I learned personally and, you know, development-wise, personally, is something that's going to help me going forward in my hockey
0: career. Yeah, and anytime you can be in that winning culture, they always say winning breeds um, you know, winning breeds winners and, and, and to be in that environment, um, such high class and, and learn things on the business side, uh, you know, like you said, uh, it's outside the classroom, it's a different perspective and you can take that with you um, in other sports or just in the business world in general, but for you, that happened to be in hockey as well. So when you broke into the OHL, you initially started on the business side with Niagara. Uh, how did you land that opportunity with the Ice Dogs and then talk about what you learned in that initial hockey experience?
1: Yeah, so I actually started a little bit before the business side, so it's a funny story that I actually started doing the shot clock for the Kitchener Rangers back in first year of university, so I used to drive every Friday night, you know, every Sunday I would drive down from St. Catharines to Kitchener, I would go upstairs, and work the shot clock, just every time there was a shot, just hit the button, and that was my job, you know, it was a very, very simple way to get involved, but it got me into the rank, gave me the chance to, to meet a lot of people, and because I was doing it for a Kitchener, I was able to get in touch with the crew in Niagara and ask them if I was able to do it for their games as well because I was doing it already in one team. The games didn't overlap, and I was living in Niagara anyway. So I was fortunate that Wayne Jude Briggs, you know, the crew chief in Niagara, was able to bring me on and gave me that experience as an off-ice official just doing a shot clock. And uh, when people say you just got to get your foot in the door and try to find any opportunity, uh, that's what you got to do. And I was fortunate that even something so small as just running the shot clock got me the chance to get into the rink, to meet a lot of people. I was very fortunate to be able to meet Nino Barrichius and Nick Williams, who were both Brock grads who were working for the Ice Dogs at the time and build relationships with, with, relationships with them. And then a few months later when they were looking for their summer interns, you know, Nino encouraged me to apply, Nick encouraged me to apply, and they helped me with my application. And I interviewed with Matt Johnson, who was the director of business operations at the time for Niagara and he brought me as a summer intern after my first year at Brock so so it's unique in that sense that it wasn't a coal application it was kind of just getting some experience in the rank. and then that summer just worked in the office full time as an intern went to golf tournaments to all the community relations oh i managed the website to the communications helped a little bit with little projects going on helped with the ticket sales when I could and for me it was just a chance to get involved and do a little bit of everything and get some business experience and some hockey experience. You know, I was fortunate to be able to get that role so young and was able to learn a lot from the people in Niagara. You know, it's a very strong culture in Niagara, like I alluded to earlier, you know, in all facets, including the business side. And and that was the summer that Dave Bell had taken over as head coach and Joey had taken over as the GM and because they were new to their roles and they had a lot going on late in the summer. And I was on the other side. I found ways to find ways to kind of get to their side every day and be in their office and ask them what I could help them with and, you know, find little projects to do. And every little thing they asked me to do, I would get it done right away. And, you know, they'd be surprised how quickly things got done. And, you know, as they started to trust me a little bit more and more, you know, I started adding a little bit more to my plate. And by late August, I ended up, running all the logistics behind training camp for them you know, all the, the registration and all the ins and outs that go into the training camp from the food to the scorekeeping to rooms for officials and so on I kind of handled all behind the scenes so they could really focus on the first training camp they were in charge of and when that summer ended did offer me a role doing the communications just kind of the social media the website a lot of things I had done in the summer and for me, as great as that was, it wasn't what I was passionate about. It wasn't something I wanted to do. So I was able to sit down with Joey and told him, no, this is what's been offered, but I want to stay on the hockey side. And you know, he recognized the value I had brought in for them late in that summer. And we worked out a role to keep me on the, the hockey side for that summer, season as a um, hockey ops intern. So it kind of went from shot clock to business intern to hockey intern in the span of a few months.
0: Yeah, a really, uh, you know, a quick turnaround there, but Um, a number of takeaways the first being uh, you took every opportunity to get involved and uh, shot clock is one of those ways that a lot of people um, would maybe stay away from or or don't think it's glamorous enough but like you said you got in there you made those connections and uh, just having that that in and then reason for being there every night to have those conversations uh, it can lead to things and the business opportunities and then um, as you said going into training camp and doing logistics and things like that and uh, there's a lot of great people you can learn from there. I was fortunate enough to do some game day with Niagara and, and Nick Williams and and Matt and Nino and all those people there uh, are great at their job and um, you know it's a great environment for someone like yourself just coming in to uh, to hockey to kind of learn there. But uh, you said that you kind of moved into a hockey operations role there with Joey uh, after uh, some experience. Uh, just talk about the uh, the learning curve in that transition and then. Um, the process of switching over until you ultimately got into uh, some more analytic work.
1: Yeah. So there's certainly a a big learning curve, but I was fortunate that by that point I was comfortable with the organization. They were comfortable with me. I'd spent the season being around the team with doing the shot clock and getting to meet people on game nights and the whole summer in the office, you got to meet everybody and develop those relationships. So it was pretty seamless on that front that it was comfortable in all regards that we all knew each other very well. So that certainly helped a lot. You know, Niagara's been very good that when people come in as interns, they really want to develop them and grow them and keep them. And, you know, you, you mentioned Nick and Nino, and you know, they were both interns. Bran Whitty who did the ticket sales, she was an intern. Rachel, who runs the game day now, she was an intern. So you know, Niagara and a lot of teams in the league have been very good in that sense that they want to develop people and the people who put the effort in get rewarded. So transitioning to the hockey side was definitely – eye-opening you know growing up and being a hockey fan and wanting to run the team you, you don't get the true sense of really what goes into it you know you think it's almost like fantasy where all day it's you're talking about trades and signings and stats and everything you think it's just really super glamorous video game when you get in there and then you realize it's you know there's a lot of logistics in terms of you know the paperwork and legalities of registration and carding and all those fundamentals and the importance of you know, scouting and being able to see the players and have a proper scouting system and the player development of where players go and players who don't make the team and how they're developing and you know, the analytics and stats and, you know, in some sense it's still in its an infancy in hockey and it's still developing and it's been developing, but it's still growing in a lot of areas. And you know, I know with your role, it's a relatively newer role in Sarnia. And a lot of teams don't even have a guy in the analytics yet in that prominent position that you have. So it's still something that's growing. So. Transition yeah. was definitely very unique where it was a new coach, a new GM. They both wanted to bring in their own philosophies and the way they want to do things. So I was able to become a guy that Joey was able to rely on a lot with some ideas and take a lot of work off his plate. And one of my favorite executives I look up to is Steve Epstein. And one of his big quotes is, you know, if you're able to find the 20% of your boss's job that he doesn't want to do and be able to do it and bring that value you're going to be a lot more important within the organization. And well, that's a bit more of a paraphrase than the exact quote. You no, know, that's what I was able to do. I was able to find the things that you know, Joey didn't necessarily have the time for or things that were more at the bottom of his list that wasn't as priority but so important to do and get it done for him. And, you know, I brought that value a lot on the administration side. And I started scouting a little bit more and going to games. And I was fortunate that Mike Bucator, who scouts kitcher still, the year prior, to of Miner's wing and took me to a lot of games and taught me how to write reports. So I had some knowledge and what to look for and how to write reports and structure reports. So, you know, when I started doing reports, you know, Joey was uh, impressed and liked the flow and the structure of how I wrote them. So you know, he was able to trust me a little bit more on the scouting side and you know, I went to games and then I was invited to the scouting meetings and was able to go to the tournaments with the staff and you know, started developing those relationships with, our scouting staff and you know, a lot have moved on since those days, but I still keep in touch with, with all of them. And then analytical wise, you know I've always been a, a numbers guy, and it wasn't something we had formally had in our in our team. But you know watching games, I would you know, track shots and face offs, and had a little bit of experience from a year prior, just doing it at a game pace. So I was able to do it during our games, and would type up the stats afterwards and email it to Billy and to Dave Bell and to Chris at the time, and gave them a little bit of value in that sense that they didn't have. So. No, for me, my big thing in the hockey side was trying to learn as much as I could and trying to bring as much value as I could. I think those are two big things to, to focus on for anybody trying to get involved is you, know, you want to be able to, to learn. You know, it's a big piece of advice I got a lot of times when I was younger and something I was guilty of but had to learn was, you know, it's two years, one mouth, and you want to be eager and you want to be able to contribute and talk a lot, but you also have to recognize get to earn your voice and you know it's important to to listen and learn as much as you can when you're younger and you're starting out and then to bring value you know find ways that you can make people's lives easier find ways to maximize value to increase efficiency and really help the program and entirety in all areas so I know it's a little bit of a long-winded answer but you know for me when I kind of went to the hockey ops intern my main focus was to learn as much as I can and bring as much value as I could.
0: Yeah, two really great approaches uh, to any internship and hockey operations, especially, um, you know, he touched on a few different things there. Uh, one being that fine balance between not being uh, over eager, but but still keeping that eagerness and knowing that uh, you can be doing more and looking for those things, whether it's, uh, you know, helping Joey Burke with the list of tasks that he has and taking away those, um, you know, n- n- nitty gritty uh, areas that he maybe doesn't have the time all the time to. Uh, to work on and things like that, but it just really does show um, your willingness to put in the work and then the progression there uh, with the organization, whether it be scouting or analytics. Uh, Before we move into your uh, promotion there and your more recent promotion, uh, just one more point on the term analytics is a term that comes up frequently in hockey today and and you talked about just wanting to learn it and and get better at it. Um, Without giving away too much detail, just talk about analytics in general and then the importance of learning them in preparation for working in hockey operations at all levels, uh, even moving forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. So I mean, at the end of the day, it's an information game, you know, and yes, it's played on the ice, but there's a lot that go on behind the scenes in terms of scouting and player development analytics that leads to the product on the ice. And for me, analytics is another tool. It's a very important tool. I think it's a piece of the puzzle and it's something that needs to be a focus for every organization. You know, I think some teams still have that old school mentality where you don't think it's as important or they can get by doing the bare minimum. But I think it's something that definitely needs to be involved in any hockey operations because it's another tool to the, it's another tool. It's another piece of the puzzle and it's something that provides value and provides information, you know, and, you know, scouting is very important. You need to be able to to see these guys, see their progression, see how they're playing and player development. is an important tool of getting players from, a to b in terms of their development and i think analytics is right in the same mix as those two of that it's another tool and i know i keep calling it a tool but that's what it is it's another piece of the puzzle that lets you create a bigger picture and create a create a book on a player that gives you the information to help you with decision making whether it's drafting whether it's trading whether it's your lineup it just provides another piece of information to everybody involved so i think it's uh, extremely important I think it's right on the same level as scouting and player development nowadays.
0: Yeah, and when you use it in unity uh, with different areas, uh, you know, at the NHL level, uh, maybe more prominently, and we've had guests uh, like Jeff Tui, you talked about his time with Arizona, and and we all know the analytic use there, but um, just one of those things that, like you said, it's another tool, another piece of the puzzle, and something you can use uh, in decision-making at all levels of the game. So you now work as an assistant general manager in Niagara. just talk about the the moment that that promotion came about, and what has your experience been like in that more prominent role?
1: Yeah, so going back to the hockey internship, you know, I was second year at the time, and I was in the office nearly every day. I was in there as much as I could. I was scouting as much as I could. And you know, as that season ended, you know, Joey really relied on me a lot as his right hand man, helping him with a lot of projects. You know, Billy was intrigued by the analytics and. You know, that summer, Billy took over as head coach when Dave Bell moved on to Ontario in the AHL and I had conversations with Billy, I had conversations with Joey and Joey offered me a promotion to give me more involvement in the hockey ops. You know, Billy wanted to bring me in as director of analytics. So it was funny in the sense that they both offered me promotions without knowing they had both offered me promotions. So we were able to all meet together and kind of merge into one larger role and you know, give me director of analytics running the midget draft, being involved in the scouting, still being involved day-to-day in the administration. So it's a very large role that kind of encompassed everything in my third-year university. My first year as director of analytics with Niagara. And that role quickly grew as the year went on. The more I spent in the office, the more they got to trust me, the more work I was given, and the more results I delivered. And it got to the point late in the year, I spoke with Joey about the next season. and It was a conversation we had that, you know I asked him if this is something that's in the works and you know, can we get it towards assistant GM and it was something I was working towards. I'd built the experience, I'd built the relationships and had the the track record in the office of being involved in everything that you know AGM was something that kind of encompassed everything. You know, I had the business experience, I had the analytics, I had the scouting and I had the the respected organization that you know, we were able to come to the agreement that summer that for the start of the eighteen nineteen season I believe uh, I would take the promotion in AGM so I was able to fast track my schooling that summer finish my schooling that summer take the prom- promotion in September so it was nice in a sense I was able to finish school and take the the role right afterwards so it was pretty gratifying in that sense I, I was able to finish and step right into a, a strong career right away so I was you know proud of myself for that and, and it was a lot of years and years of work as you know I've talked about the last little bit on this podcast of uh, shot clock and multiple internships with the organization and different roles and different titles and all that to the one moment so you know, a lot of people may just see assistant GM but you know they don't realize the, the work that goes in behind it so that was a very exciting moment in that sense and you know, I've held the title for two seasons now going to my third and you know it's just something that every day I try to improve you know, I try to improve myself and try to improve the organization and you know do everything I can to take us to the next level
0: yeah it's um it's always interesting and really the the whole reason for this podcast is to hear those stories uh behind those titles because as you touched on people see assistant GM and, and they assume one thing but when you look at your career with the shot clock and and stops in soccer and not playing when you were younger you know there's so many different pieces and and then experiences and, and Brock and a number of different things that go into uh, the final destination so Um, Great to hear that you were able to move in that position and um, a unique story as well. So, you know, just looking um, at now, you know, when people uh, like yourself move quickly through an organization and maybe quickly isn't the right word, but, you know, within a time span there through your schooling and when you finished up, uh, people start to discuss, uh, you know, age versus experience. Uh, since joining that role, what are some of your biggest challenges as well as strengths, given, uh, you know, you're one of the youngest assistant general managers in the league? Yeah, I find strength-wise that you know, you're able
1: to relate to players a lot better. I mean, you know, there was times where I was only one or two years away from players. You know, early on, I was younger than some players. So in that sense, it, I was able to relate to players well. I was able to have conversations with them that you know, maybe they weren't as comfortable having with older people, you know, whether it was stuff going on in their lives, stuff that they were struggling with. If they were doing school classes, I was able to help them with their schooling. So, you know, a big advantage early on for sure was being able to relate to players and having that relationship that a lot of AGMs or GMs or even coaches may not have. So I was able to, you know, bring value in that sense that, you know, if there's a player struggling for a reason on the ice and coaches weren't sure why, because he was healthy and things were going well off the – off the ice but then you find out there's something going on at home or with school or whatnot you know, you're able to kind of be a solution for them and try to help support them as best you can in that way so that was definitely a, a strength early on uh, in terms of weaknesses a lot of it you don't have the reputation to fall back on you know you don't have the, the playing career the connections that you meet from playing or any of that that you can kind of go off and so you really have to earn your respect and I think the best way to earn your respect is, is through the way you treat people you know and If you're able to treat people the right way and build strong relationships and be somebody that people like talking to and can trust, then you're going to earn that respect and make a name for yourself. But that was something that early on, a lot of people, even when I was early on AGM, wouldn't give me the conversations, wouldn't really want to talk to me. Or, you know, they would brush me off until they found out what my title was and then they would give respect. So they respect the title, but not you so much. So the first couple of years, you know, you definitely had to to earn your respect. And I like to think that I've done that in a lot of cases, with a lot of people, but definitely an early challenge was was that.
0: Yeah. It's good to hear those uh, different perspectives there. And um, I've kind of asked this question in in varying ways uh, with other guests and, and maybe challenges isn't the proper word to use there, but it's just one of those things, uh, obstacles that people overcome and um, being young, a lot of people will just, uh, wondering about your process. And like you said, you don't have the connections or the playing career to kind of fall back on for guidance at some times. But um, at the same time, where you are young, as you said, you can relate to the players and and maybe have that new age thinking that helps solve some of the problems that otherwise uh, might not be corrected. So there's a number of different takeaways there. And it just kind of goes to show that um, age really isn't the key factor. It's It's really the work ethic. And uh, the experience that you bring to the table, ages and so yeah. as because of
1: the us, the way you treat people and the work that you put in, the results you get.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a great point and and something that people should uh, you know look to utilize moving forward. So just uh, keeping on the topic of youth, uh, for one more question, we are seeing a lot more younger hockey minds in the game at all levels. Uh, Kyle Dubas, you know, being the one that me and you would probably hear a lot about uh, through the Brock program, but at all levels um, at, with yourself and we're seeing it at other uh, junior leagues and, and AHL and Europe and things like that. Uh, just talk about your thoughts on that topic and why you do you think this trend, um, you know, is only recently developing. Yeah, I think you touched
1: on it in your question. Uh, you, you mentioned the the new age of thinking and you know, I think that's uh, the angle. A lot of teams are taking out, especially with analytics and trying to be a lot more forward thinking is do they want people with. Education. They want younger people that bring different perspective, and you know, people like you know, Dubas you mentioned, John Cheka, you know, These players are executives that have led the way to give more comfort to, to teams and owners that you know, they're able to gamble on younger guys, and younger guys are able to, to show. And you know, when I say guys, I mean you know, girls as well. I mean, there's a lot of value that girls are able to bring, and I think that's going to be the new wave. is yes, yeah, there's a lot of young people, but I think a lot of females are showing that. They're just as capable, if not more capable than a lot of guys in a lot of ways that well, they're gonna be able to contribute very strongly to a lot of organizations. But I like like you said, it's the new age of thinking, you know, is getting away from the, the status quo and the norm and the quote unquote old boys club that you know younger people bring unique perspective, whether it's through their education, through their life or through the way they think, that they're able to bring different value to an organization and you know that's what organizations need to win. They need to be able to maximize value maximize thinking and maximize problem solving and our young people are showing they're able to do that they're able to do it well efficiently and consistently
0: yeah uh, very well said and and the fact that uh, you're looking to have value at all levels and and you don't want to lose any value because of a perception on you know an age gender or even diversity is a topic that we see more and more now but um it just goes to show that once again tying it all back that uh, you got to look at the work ethic. You got to look at the mindset and and maybe not what uh, you see as someone walks through the door and why you uh, initially perceive of that person for whatever reason. So um, a great topic. And uh, for me and you who are maybe a little bit younger in the game here in the OHL compared to some of the counterparts, it's uh, an interesting topic to bring up on the podcast. And I'll be interested to hear uh, people's th- follow-up thoughts from that. So um, another question that i like to ask a lot of people and i generally ask this to people who are maybe uh, earlier in their careers than others but you know looking 10 15 years down the road i know it's maybe impossible at the moment uh, just with everything that's going on but um you know trying to envision yourself in in that amount of time uh, where do you ultimately hope to be and um, what's some reasoning behind that
1: yeah so like i said growing up sports always been the only goal I mean I can't picture myself in any other industry doing any other job so for me I want to be able in 10-15 years still be in sport you know and still be in hockey and you know, the landscape's definitely tough nowadays the next couple of years may be a lot tougher with everything going on in the world but you know, for me I want to stay in sport and you know, the ultimate goal is to, to be in the NHL and I think that's the, the common goal for everybody it's definitely the goal I've been chasing but you know, for me I I'm also a winner. You know, I want to win and right now being EO, the the goal is to win the Mem Cup and to win the OHL and you know, as much as I want to be in the NHL and have those fancy jackets one day, for me, the goal is to win. You know, I want to be able to bring Niagara to those new heights and win the championship and go from there. So, yeah, the easy and obvious answer is I want to be in the NHL and you know, I'm sure that's a, a goal for you as well but, you know, I definitely want to, to win and you know, I also want to continue to develop as an executive and as a person and you know, continue to, to grow and build my strengths and continue to, to be a person that people can rely on and can trust and you know, have those strong relationships, whether it's with people in the league or in other leagues, and you know, continue to, to help people learn to grow. But you know, for me, it's just continuing to grow as a person, to try to win as much as I can, and ultimately try to
0: end up in the NHL. Yeah, I, I always enjoy the honesty in the, in the answers I get to that question because, like, as you touched on, as you mentioned there, um, a lot of people do want to make it to the NHL, and uh, general manager tends to be the, the more common goal for, for people on the hockey op side. But, oh, um, I know. I just... remember
1: the first day at Brock, we were asked, everybody write down your dream job on a piece of paper, and then a class of about 250 kids, I think we had about 200 write down NHL general managers. Yeah. So it's definitely the, the very common goal for everybody
0: yeah and you start looking around and sizing up the competition to see who uh who you're gonna have to fight with for those you know 30 31 32 jobs but um, and
1: you're not fighting against people around you're trying to yeah. get better
0: every day and fight against your past
1: self and you know really you want to support the people around you and try to make yourself better
0: yeah I think that's another great point and I always joked with my roommates and stuff that we were you know quote-unquote fighting for fighting for jobs but Um, you know it really is a community and I found my time at Brock especially uh, you meet so many amazing people and um, they've gone on to positions in hockey and at the same level as I am so uh, you know like like us we're not the same year but again kind of went through the same program and and had those interactions but um, you know it's always interesting to hear the the future outlook for people and uh, when you get a group like that that's committed it, it only helps the industry as a whole and uh, you hope to be working with uh, you know your classmates and the people that uh, came along the journey with you uh, at the final destination, which for many of us is the NHL level. So an interesting yeah. uh, perspective there. Um, looking at the concept of learning, um, you know, through school or maybe just through your own personal interests. Uh, what are some of your go-to books, articles, podcasts, etc., that you look to for reference and new ideas? Whether it's in hockey or just life in general
1: yeah, it's a great question. You know I think learning is something that doesn't stop when you graduate. You know it's something that you got to be doing every day. you know just like an athlete that needs to to work out and train every day. You know if you're an executive, you need to to train your brain and learn every day. you know, and for me, that's something that's been very important. And I remember even after I graduated Brock, you know anytime I had a hole in my schedule, I would go over to the campus and try to st- sit in on a couple of lectures and just try to learn different things and you know, just kind of keep the lectures going. And in terms of books, you know, it's something that I definitely spend more money than I, I should on books, but it's a long-term investment. And so I definitely read a lot and my favorite book and it's a book, I don't even know how many times I have bought in it because I keep giving it to people and have to rebuy it for myself, but it's called you're not so smart by David McCraney. And it talks a lot about the cognitive biases, biases that you have in decision-making and that, you know, you see things one way and really you're not seeing it the right way because of subconscious biases that you're not privy to. And so that book's definitely been a fun read. It's definitely an eye-opening read. It talks a lot about things like confirmation bias where subconsciously subconsciously, you look for information that supports your claim. You know, I think in scouting that's something that a lot of people fall prey to is that when you like a player and you really like a player and you're pushing for a player, you, know, you tend to look at the information that it supports what you're saying and that you try to push them as high as you can. And sometimes you ignore or give less weight to the information that suggests he's not as good as a player as you may think. So I think one example, you no know, confirmation bias, you no know, just on cost fallacy where if you think too, or if you spend too much time on a player, you know, or anything in life, you know, it's tougher to to quit because, you know, you put so much time and investment into it, whether it's you know, a job or a relationship or anything, but I still find it relates to scouting in the sense that, you can have a first round pick that you've spent so much time on developing and keep jamming him in the lineup and it's not working. It's not working, but it's the sunk cost that you try to make it work. So but you know, that book's definitely been a fun read. And you know, I would recommend that book to, to anybody, especially if you're in scouting because it really touches on, I think six or 70 fallacies that, you know, a lot of things you haven't even heard of that you don't realize that you're doing every day in your decision-making. And for me, one of the big things I've been studying the last year through reading, through going back to Brock free lectures is the the science behind decision making and the heuristics and the fallacies and the the cognitive biases that you fall prey to and trying to set yourself up to recognize when you are making mistakes. A lot of mistakes in scouting are preventable if you recognize the factors that go into those decisions. So that's been definitely been a really big thing I've been focused on. So that's definitely my number one, book I'd recommend another book I really like is called The Great Art and Genius you know it's a lot about football and Vince Lombardi and everything went into to building his team and you know his philosophy so i been able to learn a lot on football and culture from him uh The Cubs Way you know, I touched on Theo Epstein so a lot of culture and how he built the Cubs and that's the minute book I've been a big fan of and you know thinking fast and slow touching back on the, the cognitive sciences of decision making that's a book I would highly recommend as well that you know it touches a lot on system one and two thinking and everything that goes into decision, decision making that's uh, it's a long read but it's worth it and again I could go through my whole bookshelf but my last book I'd recommend and talk about is called on grand strategy you know it looks a lot at leaders through history everybody from Xerxes to Eisenhower and you know their approaches to, to thinking and leadership so a couple of books you know books i've read multiple times and books that you know, i've enjoyed and try to pass along to people but those those are the kind of things i try to focus on when i'm reading it's you know, decision making it's leadership it's it's business it's sport so that's try i try to expand my learning every day it's just you know, whether it's you know, a couple of chapters of multiple books or try to get through one book but that's just kind of my approach to reading and learning
0: yeah um you know it's always a fun question because you got so many people uh bringing up different books and we hear a lot of uh overlap in in hockey books and and books like the Cubs away and things like that but um, I'm always interested in hearing the the books outside of hockey that uh, go on culture and decision making and and you know life in general so it it just uh, ties it all together and shows that uh, there's a lot of things that you can take into sport as well as a lot of things in sport that you can take uh, to other areas of your life but um, you know, exactly, boats. and even
1: sports to sport, you know, like I mentioned yeah. with Toronto FC, there's being a one sport to get to another was very beneficial. So, in terms of reading as well, you know, sports sport, you know, whether it's football, baseball, soccer, or you know, tennis, definitely a lot of overlaps and a lot of things you can lessons you can carry from one sport to the other.
0: Yeah, that's that's very true. And um, you know, I even encourage people whether they're in a full time career and in one sport, look for those opportunities to get involved in other ones. Uh, one of my opportunities uh, you know the last couple of years was to work with the summer games that had no hockey it was softball basketball soccer those sports so just yeah. getting the experience and in, in working with kids and parents and and you know other people in those sports it, uh, it does a lot of takeaways and it really does enhance your learning in in ways that you you know wouldn't otherwise uh, think of exactly yeah you can definitely round yourself
1: well and learn a lot in other areas and I think that's one mistake a lot of young executives make is they try to focus too much on just hockey. And you know, we talk a lot about players growing up that players benefit from playing different sports. You know, it's, it's good to have a summer sport and try to mix it up a little bit from hockey and try to learn something from playing other sports. And it relates exactly to executives that, that you can learn a lot from working other sports and reading about other sports and talking to people in other sports. It all becomes stuff that's relatable and you can learn from. So it definitely parallels young athletes young executives
0: yeah it's that's a definite uh, correlation there and and something that people should consider um you know at any time so uh you know a lot of these lessons we learn through the experiences and and through the books but a lot of lessons also come from mentors um i can assume too who you may talk about but uh, just touch on some of your mentors and then you know the major lessons that they taught you uh through those interactions Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, throughout the podcast, I mentioned a few names and names I mentioned have been been people who have definitely mentored and taught me a lot, you know, Nick and, you know, early on were two guys that I was able to lean on and learn a lot from my early days. Mike Bucator from Kitchener taught me a lot of the fundamentals of scouting and he's a guy I still talk to on a daily basis. Early on in Niagara, when I got involved in the scouting staff, Mark Seidel was somebody that was willing to take me aside and tell me how it was and, wasn't a guy that who would sugarcoat things for me and you know, I learned a lot from him. You no, know, he's a guy I talk to nearly every day still. And, you know, he's definitely not afraid to tell it as it is. And he taught me a lot. And, you know, it's definitely very important to have mentors when you're young you know, to have people that you can reach out to if you're struggling with something or, if, you know, you need help with an idea, or if you're in a situation you haven't faced before and you need some advice, you know, these older guys are willing to help out. You know, they've been there themselves and, they have their own mentors, and they want to be mentors too. And so, no, it's very important to be able to find people early on in your career that you can rely on, that you can talk to, and who are willing to 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 tell you things as they are, and not sugarcoat things, and try to help you learn as much as you can. So, no, like it's very important to have mentors, and uh, I could go on for an hour about people I've met, people who have taught me things, people who, have, who I've relied on. But it's definitely something to focus on when you're young. Is be willing to to learn be willing to talk to people and be able to take advice you know sometimes you're gonna get criticism from somebody that you may not want to hear but they're not telling you it, it to hurt you or to tear you down They're telling it to you to to support you and build you up and well, those are the, the the kind of people you need to have success people who are willing to help you out and tell you how things are
0: yeah it really does take that community approach to uh, to be successful and some of the mentors I've touched on before, you know, uh, Andrew Sykes and Rocky Vendetti, and, and the list goes on and on. But all these people were willing to, you know, take a chance and, and give you that extra help or, uh, you know, like you said, take you aside and tell you how it is sometimes, even when you maybe don't want to hear it. But uh, it, I find in hockey at all levels I've been and, and I'm sure you're the same way, um, you know, everybody is really willing just to help and see you succeed. And it, it's a community in that way that everybody wants to help bring each other up and and at the end of the day hopefully everybody's at the highest level of being successful and winning a Stanley Cup which is you know the end goal for many people but um as one final question that I ask everybody on the podcast if you could go back to yourself uh, maybe in grade 11 when you made that decision to go to rock or, or early on in your schooling or maybe someone in a similar position uh, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them hoping that they would succeed in hockey operations well, that's a really good question um, I think it's be patient
1: you know it's a lot of people are eager and kind of rush things and you, know, you got to trust the process and let things unfold and it'll you know, take times for opportunities to, to really develop you know, a lot of young people will have an opportunity and then they'll try to jump to a different opportunity because you know they're not getting the value they want or they're not enjoying it and sometimes it's the right move to make that jump but a lot of times it's a panic jump and you've got to give time to opportunities to develop and I remember my first couple of months interning for Niagara I kept thinking to myself you know what am I doing here like why am I doing this it's um month then I'm just typing emails and going to golf tournaments what's the point and you know, you've got to give yourself time to let those opportunities really develop and grow and it's cliche but it's like planting a tree you know it doesn't grow right away and it takes some time so you got to be able to be patient and to let it water and take your time and but also you know to take every opportunity I think that's one thing I learned first year is you got to take advantage of every opportunity you know you got to knock down every door and when I was in grade 12 in high school and I was getting ready to go to Brock I remember driving to every OHL rink close to St. Catharines and trying to talk to anybody just you know, is there any opportunity for next year? And that's how I got shot clock in Kitchener was by meeting their staff in April and just saying, hey, I'm going to Brock and just do anything for next year? And when the opportunity came up, they called me in September and knew I had interest because of the conversation from five months prior. So, you know, the advice that we give to my grade 11 self and anybody young is take advantage of every opportunity and be patient enough to let it develop into something. You know, don't try to rush out or rush through it. And, you know, enjoy the opportunities you're in and take advantage of the people you can meet the relationships you can build and you know things will grow a lot stronger than you think if you just give it the time
0: yeah be patient and be persistent and you know when you put in the work good things will come uh, Brandon I just want to thank you for taking some time today of uh, your schedule to uh, talk on the podcast it was interesting like I said as we know each other in the past but still dive into your career a little bit more in depth and and share your insight and and your story um i think a lot of people will relate to it and and gain something from it so again uh, thank you for taking some time and i wish you all the best moving forward
1: yeah thanks ryan it was always a pleasure talking to you and uh, looking forward to seeing you around the ring soon yeah for sure all right take care you as well
0: I'd like to thank Brandon for accepting my invitation to come on the podcast and for breaking down his career to date. As I mentioned before, he was one of the first people I met at Brock, and it was great to learn more about his experiences and reveal his insight on various aspects of the game. So again, I'd like to thank him for joining me. If you would like to get in touch with Brandon to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact Podcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Alex Matheson, video coach at Ottawa University. Having already been featured on the Video Coaching Roundtable, Alex comes back for his second appearance on the podcast to share a lot of knowledge on both video coaching and multiple experiences at other levels, so be sure to listen to that release on Sunday. Once again, thank you to everyone for your support, and thank you for continuing to make the podcast the success that it has been to date. As always, stay safe, and all the best.